Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I'm sitting down with Thomas Neild, and we're going to be discussing data science. Welcome to the show, Thomas. Thank you. Very happy to be here. I know that this is the second time we've done this uh, because the first time the recording, uh, unfortunately, had issues on my end and your end. And so we finally managed to get together again, huh? A couple of months after that. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Yeah, I think a lot has happened since then. I mean, before we recorded, before the whole uh, Google I.O. event, uh, it was before Kotlin Conf, it was before you being a speaker on Kotlin Conf. So it's only been a couple of months, but amazing how much has gone on in, in such a short time. Yes, and uh, been doing a lot of library development since then too, uh, just to bring a lot of that initiative to fruition. So, yeah. Nice. So our topic, of course, is data science. And I pinged you because I've seen that you've been active in, in this field a little bit. And it was interesting to me because, you know, data science has grown quite a bit and it, it's become one of these buzzwords along with all of the other buzzwords. And traditionally, it's been an area that has been using languages such as Python and R, if I'm not mistaken. So when I saw you looking at this from the Kotlin perspective, I said, let's have a chat because I would love to learn a little bit more about this and, and where Kotlin fits in. Uh, so give us a little bit of background of how you got into the whole data science world. Yeah, sh sure. So. Um... When I first started my career, I graduated from school with a degree in supply chain management. So I, I essentially have a business analyst background. And But early in my career, I got fascinated with technology and its role in analytics and being able to apply it to get uh, business insight. And so I started, I started out with using SQL, Access, VBA, although it pains probably some people to hear this. Um, but after I did that for a, for a brief while, I wanted to be able to do more. And logically, the next step would have been to do Python, um, especially since it was already taking off uh, to being applied to data science and started to have some great libraries. However, one thing I wanted to be able to do, actually, I needed to be able to do, was I needed to build uh, models that could be prototyped, but then immediately put into production. And they had that resiliency and um, robustness to be put in production without having to be rewritten you know, two or three times, you know, when it was actually ready to be put into um, into an enterprise system. When you're speaking of models, what exactly do you mean by models? So by models, I mean, they're essentially in the data science world, it's just proof of concepts or executing an ideas or an opportunity saying, okay, we've identified these customers, we've clustered them this way. So this is how we should be uh, marketing. But usually what I've done um, requires me to take something and plug it in and then often putting a user interface around it so that others could interact with it and make decisions around it, even if they weren't necessarily technically savvy. And the other aspect too is it needed to refactor and evolve over time uh, as business initiatives changed. And so I ultimately chose Java as my platform because although it's pretty verbose, the JVM is great, it's very concurrent, and it has that static typing and that refactorability to uh, basically evolve that model safely. Okay, so that's basically the reason that you went behind Kotlin, right? Because you wanted the static typing and... Uh, yes, and so I used Java for a while and 
I knew I wanted to be able to, I knew I wanted to be a little bit more tactical and I needed a platform that allowed me to be tactical and quick, uh, just like Python. So you could have that rapid turnaround. So I started to look around. I tried to look at Scala. I looked at Python and then ultimately I got an email from JetBrains, um, cause I switched over to IntelliJ IDEA at the time. And then I saw that Kotlin was in beta and I was like, oh, what is this? And ever since then I've been using it heavily and I really have not looked back. Um, it's just been an extremely effective platform for that purpose um, because it has that conciseness factor and quick turnaround factor of Python. Um, however, it has that, that JVM scalability behind it and you are not necessarily cutting corners at runtime or in compile or on compile time, you know, for most cases, things are going to work and that stack typing is going to be enforced and you get all those, and you get more features beyond Python because um, you have a lot of fluent uh, functional programming features um, that Python really hasn't leveraged because Python lambdas are not as um, are nowhere near as flexible and adaptable. As so Python this is a, uh, something that caught my attention. You said you received an email from JetBrains and you were introduced to Kotlin. Yes. So are you actually saying that those marketing emails that we send out really work? Like, I got to go back. <laughs> uh, actually, for me personally, yeah, I, yeah, for me personally, it, um, I do check those emails. Um, I do check other news feeds and stuff, but usually I don't have time to check on a blog every day. So usually emails, I do appreciate them. That's, that's great to hear, really. I mean, I know that obviously we do reach people, uh, but, you know, as someone that uh, personally is more active in reading blogs, I, I often question, like, do these emails actually, you know, are they read by people and do they respond to it? Uh, so it's, it's great to hear. I mean, I know they do, but it's great to hear a, a firsthand experience, and especially one that says, hey, I'm going to look at Kotlin because of this email. So that's that's awesome. Now, before we get into Kotlin in terms of the whole aspects regarding uh, the libraries that you've been working on and what's available for people that are interested in the data science world, I'd like to know, why do you feel that Python is, and I guess along with R, which is another language for mm -hmm. uh, data science, why do you think that these are one of the well, the two main languages that have you know, widely been adopted in this field? Um, I think a lot of that has to do with they, so I guess there's two, two parts to that question. First for R, so R is a very much a numbers and math um, focused focused programming language and it's kind of been geared towards that purpose. And I think it will excel in that for a very long time. Uh, you can't necessarily, in my opinion, R is not really meant to build an entire server application with, um, but it does that whole, but it does matrix based data modeling really well. Uh, with Python, what's interesting about Python is that I think it was adopted primarily because it was the best option at the time as soon as data science started to get more geared into programming languages. I mean, Python was very, is still, is very simple to learn. It's very beginner friendly. A lot of data science professionals there, not all of them are software engineers or even that tech savvy. So Python was just a logical choice to kind of at the time saying, okay, well, here's a platform. It's very easy to create libraries for. Um, and you know it's accessible to a lot of business professionals. 
So I think that's primarily why Python um, is the accumbent technology when it comes to data science as well as R. And you see Kotlin potentially, you know, being the equivalent in in terms of its usage. Or let me rephrase: Do you see that Kotlin could measure up to Python in relation to data science usage? Uh, I, I do see that. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of people are going to prefer Python because that's what they've been used to and that's what they're accustomed to. The thing for me personally, though, I've I have done a I've done a side project or two in Python, and when I had that constraint, I had to use Python. I just find myself having a wish list of features of things that were already in Kotlin um, to be able to express the business logic much more quickly, as well as have that static typing. Uh, so for me personally, I absolutely prefer Kotlin for data science purposes. And I have found it to even have, uh, it, it allows more, you know, tactical conciseness as well as rapid turnaround. And that is, um, and so, yeah, Kotlin, I think there's a huge opportunity for it. I think that the primary thing it needs is more libraries. It does already have Apache Spark because it works with Apache Spark out of the box. And there's other library initiatives going on right now, uh, including mine, as well as a few other folks in the community. Uh, we've been working really hard on that. Okay, and we'll get to that. And But I want to take sure. a t uh, step back a second because data science, like microservices, is probably a broad term that you know is used and thrown around left and right and it means different things to different people uh i mean or, may, or maybe i'm wrong maybe i just aren't no, familiar right. <laughs> with, the, with the term but what do you what would you define as data science like what encompasses data science for you i would say data science is is trying to get insight from data uh, using whatever tools you have at your disposal uh, I'd say that's the that's the simplest definition that captures the general intent. It often, but it actually has a broad umbrella of all these different disciplines that it continues to, and it continues to get more. Um, for example, statistics, analytics, machine learning, AI, neural networks, uh, clustering, you know, cluster processing, and this the number of disciplines that continue to grow under the data science umbrella continues to grow, and. Uh, one thing I see as a next as a next frontier when it comes to uh, adding another discipline is software engineering and integrating with software engineering uh, more in a more continuous delivery fashion. Um, there's actually been an interesting article by O'Reilly um, talking about using Go for data science. Uh, it was called Data Science Gophers, and it was essentially proposing Go as a data science language, uh, pretty much for the same reasons why I'm proposing Kotlin as a data science language. So anyway, hopefully that answers the question. I know I ran off a little bit. No, yeah, it's it's fine. So and so the gist of it is basically getting data and trying to come up with, uh, you know, extrapolate that data to come up with uh, information that you need, right? Yes, essentially, right. So yes, actionable, actionable uh, insight. Right, and each of these things are then classified as models, right? So you have these models where uh, you obtain information from a set of data. Is that is that about yes. right? Okay. Yes. So given this, then I would ask, if I'm essentially working with data, I can use any language to work with data, right? And essentially anything, right? I could use Java, I could you use could. C Sharp, yeah. I could use anything. So why Kotlin? Like, what does Kotlin? I mean, and I know that we've spoken about Python and R. So, but what what does Kotlin give you 
that you feel that something like uh, Java wouldn't? If, if at the end of the day, all I'm doing is just data crunching, essentially. Okay. Um, I say one of the huge winning features of Kotlin um, is DSLs. And being able to adapt the language with your own extension functions, builders, um, and different and different forms of of lambda constructs really allows you to quickly declare your business domain. Like have this whole playground of all these different um, pieces of business logic that you keep reusing, and then and having that DSL uh, capability uh, maximizes code reuse, and it kind of gives you all these different modules that you can invoke and work with any time and add as needed. And I'd say that's the primary uh, winning feature of Kotlin. There's other things like data, cl data classes are really huge. Um, not Instead of having to use tuples or, or collections to hold different properties of items, which it happens a lot in Python, you can just quickly declare a data class. And that data class will, will manage all of that POJO, all that POJO business, as well as handle the hash code equals have the nifty copy and modify builders uh, and the two string implementation and that and I sit in the data class is actually a huge huge utility uh, for data science right so, so essentially it's going back to the idea of having a language that can be concise and expressive in the you know in in demonstrating the intent of what it is that you're trying to do as opposed yes. to having a lot of boilerplate code, right? Yes, and and not cutting corners uh, in the process when it comes to compilation. You know, yeah. like, for example, like dynamic typing. Right. So if I'm working with data, right, and, and I'm using these DSL features of Kotlin, it allows me to describe, or, or sorry, if I'm using uh, Kotlin for this, specifically in, because you mentioned data data classes, like Kotlin more or less is quite concise in defining different types of data structures. One of them is data classes and you know, mm -hmm. we've got arrays, uh, we've got pairs, we've got all of these things. And, and I'm guessing that this is quite useful, right? Because if, if all the time you're looking at basically data structures uh, that you're analyzing, you find this valuable? Yes, very valuable. And another thing to add to that are like, our sequences and any of those other fluent um, operators, which you can use in RX Java and Spark as well. But yeah, like just the sequences also to kind of bridge, you know, transforming one collection into another collection in a very lean sequential way. That is definitely a huge uh, feature as well. So the language itself needs to have a set of, I mean, it doesn't need to have, but having a set of characteristics can make it much nicer to work with when it comes to data science. But the language alone isn't sufficient, right? I mean, you need a series of libraries to, to work with the data, whether these are uh, to obtain, you know, statistic libraries and other things. Is that, mm -hmm. is that where, where does Kotlin fit in with that in terms of is, I mean, from my knowledge, there's not many. You mentioned that you are you and the community are working on a couple, which you could uh, maybe talk to us about. But before that, where were where were you in terms of availability of libraries apart from Spark? Um, I say that the libraries out there are pretty decent um, because of because of the Java interoperability. 
so for example, there's Apache Commons Math, which I have uh, been working with and using in my library. And that is a, that is a surprisingly comprehensive uh, library for data science purposes. There's also, um, there's also like Num4j, I believe is a library that's called. So that's a, that's a numerical crunching library. And there's a few other uh, more obscure projects out there. So there is a, and there's quick ML. Is Num4j uh, the equivalent of, because I, I know there's a library in the, in the Python world called NumPy. Is that the equivalent? That is my understanding, yes. Okay. It is, yeah, it's essentially the Java equivalent to NumPy. And so there actually are quite a few, and I was actually surprised as I started to dig into this more and more, there actually are uh, a large number of libraries out there on the JVM, uh, written in Java primarily, some, a few Scala, that already offer comparable functionality that uh, that Python has. The one, th there's a few things that are lacking, like for example, charting, but uh, we actually, but actually Edvin and I, we're actually working with somebody to hopefully change that and we'll see what happens with that initiative. And then of course you have created your own library, right? Around this. Yes. Yes. Uh, Kotlin statistics that was initially kind of started out as an exploration because I was kind of inspired by the, uh, the operators in the Kotlin standard library, you know, for collections and sequences. And I thought, Oh, okay. What, what if I was to create like, you know, start out with simple things like standard deviations and uh, regressions and a few other operations. And it just kind of grew more and more into uh, being able to slice data using data classes, as well as having clustering functionality. And that library continues to grow quite a bit. I'm actually exploring a vector and matrix implementation in it currently and doing it in a very idiomatic way. And that's pretty much the whole purpose of that library is to express data science using the fluent uh, constructs and Kotlin features. Talking about these constructs, and I know that you mentioned DSLs. Now, you know, we, we talk a lot about DSLs, okay? And uh, mm -hmm. you know, every, every other library right now in Kotlin is leveraging these DSLs, which is fantastic, you know, because this, this was one of the things like make a much nicer fluent uh, well, I, I'm not going to say fluent, but make a much nicer API uh, for the work that you're, you know, what whatever the, the thing the library is trying to accomplish, right? And you have the mm -hmm. HTML builders, you have Anko, you have uh, Ktor, which is now has its DSLs for routing and for defining, you know, static data, etc. cetera, uh, static resources, sorry. Now, with regard to data science, you know, is there also uh, any kind of like standard DSL outside of statistics or or not? Like, I mean, is there is there a DSL that would be used to work with data models as such? Um, not that I know of currently. I know that uh, I know that one of my colleagues online uh, he has created a library called Coma, which is a DSL for for doing. For doing matrix math so there's a few out there so there's a few initiatives that are going that are attempting to standardize um you know dsls for very common data science task um but that's also the nice thing about dsls is that you can customize and create your own pretty quickly for your own purposes and even create and you can use them to create wrappers around um, existing java libraries which uh which i've had quite a bit of work doing too and do you think that these DSLs could be used by non-programmers? I've, 
I've not had any experience, firsthand experience with that, but I have heard stories about um, some folks who are not tech savvy, you know, in a workplace, and they would actually be, they would actually use Groovy to script things together, um, which actually surprised me, but I've heard that, yeah, Groovy was actually used because um, it has like DSLs and builders and stuff as well. Um, that was actually used uh, as a quick scripting means for non-programmers, and I've heard more than one story about people doing that in a workplace. So I, I think that's definitely possible um, based on a lot of, you know, anecdotal stories I heard. Right. I mean, if you think about, uh, you know, the people that are working with the data, a lot of you need to have the domain knowledge, right, in order to work with the specific set of data. Or, yes. or, or would you not? I mean, is, is it a fair assessment that you would need to? Uh, if you if you want to be a good data scientist, yeah, you do. <laughs> right. So it's essentially, you know, the same that we talk about domain driven design, where you need to have good knowledge of the domain that you're working on and then, you know, convey that knowledge and, and create ubiquitous language that is shared across the domain and the actual uh, code for data science. Those that know the data that they're working with obviously can obtain better results, right? Yeah. And then we go back to the same thing of, you know, the same issue that issue, quote unquote, issue that you have with DDD, right? And with anything in software is you need to find someone that is not only strong in software development, but also strong in the domain knowledge, right? I mean, you know, if you're designing a system, my personal experience, uh, an ERP system for the print industry, you need to know the ins and outs of the print industry. Like you need to know everything about the print industry. You yourself work, work in the airline industry. Now I'm sure mm -hmm. that you don't know, you know, the airline industry is way more vast than, than printing. So you, I'm sure that you probably don't know everything about it, but you're Nowhere quite <laughs> knowledgeable in the area that you are um, focusing on, right? So what I'm trying to get at is, could it come to a point where we could have experts in the domain that are not necessarily software developers using tools such as Kotlin in the shape of a DSL that some software developer like yourself has written to be able to extrapolate results from data? No, that's actually a very intriguing idea. And, and yes, I think it could actually get to that point. Um, you know, it's always a very common gap, uh, you know, with biz, you know, with software developers, as well as, you know, even some data scientists is trying to close the gap, understanding the business domain and bridging it with very robust technology. And the DSLs actually could be a, could provide a fairly um, effective means to do that. Because essentially what a DSL does is it allows you to create your own domain specific language. That's what it stands for. And if you know the business domain pretty well, like, for example, airlines, like you said, um, and you just learn those few construct calls you need to and those nested builders to create your your data structure using a DSL, I think that, that could actually be a very yeah, I think that could actually be a very uh, robust means. And that'd be an interesting thing to explore. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, essentially, if you look at a lot of the software, and you know this better than me, like is there user oriented software? around working with data in in the field of data science like it, I, I mean i've seen a few uh projects that you know 
you it's it's a web application that you can go and you can drag and drop things and mm -hmm. link them up and try and extrapolate some information from that are there tools like that currently yes there's a, a there's quite a number of them um a really big one right now it's commercial is alterix which is essentially a drag and drop uh data wrangling and data blending software uh like you said and there's a few, there's just a few open source projects like Nime and Rapid Miner and a few others. And those are great and those are definitely useful uh, in, in everyday use, but there will always be times where you get to a point where it doesn't do what you need it to specifically for your business. And that's essentially the, and that's essentially where you have to either open up the hood and dump in a script if it allows that, or you have to use a language such as Python or Kotlin to create that functionality. And, and personally for me, and I could, and, it, and again, it's, this is just my preference. I don't use those tools as much because I can turn things around much more quickly in Kotlin and uh, not have, and do things in less clicks as well. But essentially, but essentially, yeah, they do exist. Yeah, and, and that's the point I was trying to get at because, you know, as software developers, we have tried the drag and drop things, right? And mm -hmm. even when we're doing like, you know, mobile development and there's designers and stuff, we, we always fall back sometimes to the uh, XAML in the case of .NET or the uh, XML or XHTML oh, yeah. or whatever in, in, in the case of Android. You know, because we, we want that extra freedom. We want that extra flexibility, right? So, so... The point is there that is this something that people also encounter, those that work with data, limitations with some of these tools? And and that's why I was saying that if we could reach a point where you could design a DSL for non-software developers that, well, non-software developers, sorry, non-developers that could essentially use it to get data and define their models and analyze these models, you know, that could open up new possibilities for people, right? Yeah, absolutely. That could that could actually do quite a bit um, as, on the DSL stuff we just discussed. And the other thing, and I guess the other thing too, um, in the same vein, another tool I've used is using Tornado FX, uh, which uh, which I understand you interviewed Evan Evan earlier. Um, so yeah, I've used Tornado FX to also provide another means for people to interact with models um, because you can basically throw together a quick Java FX UI around it and you can build an entire suite that way if you want. Um, so yes, this there is being able to get back to that low level of trying to express your business logic the way you want it to specifically for your business and then providing means for people to use DSLs or using a UI to interact with it that I believe is very much where things should go. And I believe Kotlin is a very effective uh, means to do that. Now, if I want to get into data science, would you say that I need to have a strong background in maths and statistics or you know, just being a software developer that I am is sufficient for me to start to explore this? Um, you do not necessarily need a math background. Um, I'm sure it can help, but here's the here's the funny thing about data science. It's very polar in that you have some data science. A lot of data science professionals are math or business or statistics savvy, but they don't really have much software engineering skills. And then you have people on the other side who are software engineers, but they don't really have as much math and statistics um, background or or knowledge. So. If you can find a way to exist in the middle, 
you can do really well. But essentially, but I believe personally that if you're a software developer, you actually do have quite a large advantage in that you know the tools, you know how to scale. Uh, you can put things in production, which not very many data scientists can do. And so you'll have that leg up, you'll have that advantage. And it can it can be challenge. I've noticed it can be challenging for some data, um, you know, for some software engineers to all of a sudden start thinking, um, you know, about the business and being domain driven, like you said, and trying to understand that business forwards and backwards, uh, rather than being on the receiving end of a, you know, of a scrum meeting with all these tasks that have been defined for them, you have to take much more ownership of that. And, and that can be a big change for some people, but some people, but, you know, some software engineers embrace it. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. And so if I want to start with uh, data science uh, specifically, let's say that I'm, you know, want to get into it with Kotlin, where would be mm -hmm. the first place to look? Like, are there any, have you yourself written any uh, blog posts or anything that people you, you'd like to point people to, to learn more about this? Yes. So I did, I have written a few posts about using Kotlin for data science. Um, you can see that on my blog. Uh, there's even one example I walked through using a social, there's one example I walked through where I use social media and trying to find mutual friendships between people. And I pulled this example from a book, um, data science from scratch, which is from O'Reilly. Those examples were in Python. And I showed how Kotlin can be complete, can be on par, if not more concise, uh, doing that exact same exam example. Um, there's also a few other articles I wrote, uh, including one covering my Kotlin statistics library and another that talks about applying it to Apache Spark. There is one book I discovered recently and it just came out from O'Reilly. It's called Data Science with Java. I have been really enjoying this book so far. And I think this book is a great place for JVM developers to not only come up to speed with with a data science really quickly, but also to use Apache Commons math and a few other, you know, lightweight libraries uh, to start playing with that really quickly. And you can take those concepts and apply it to Kotlin um, almost immediately. Nice. And we'll share all of the links uh, on the show notes with of all the things you pointed to. Well, it's been fantastic having you on the show. I really appreciate the fact that we already did this recording, but you came back and, uh, you know, I, it's great that you spent the time with us to, to do this over again, because as I, as I mentioned, you know, for me personally, it's quite interesting. And I think that a lot of people will find interest in exploring data science with Kotlin. So thank you once again for coming on the show. Mm -hmm.